This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, September 25th. I'm Kate Trinko. And I'm Daniel Davis. The Brett Kavanaugh saga is getting uglier by the day. What began as a serious allegation has evolved into political mudslinging and humiliation for a man who's long enjoyed a sterling reputation. We'll discuss the latest developments with Daily Signal contributor Genevieve Wood. Plus, it's fall. We'll talk all things football. But first, we'll cover a few of the top headlines. Well, until recently, all eyes were on the allegation of Christine Blasey Ford, the woman who accused Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting her in high school. But on Sunday, The New Yorker published a new allegation, this one with even thinner sourcing and once again with no corroborating witnesses. The allegation is from college, and the accuser, Deborah Ramirez, admitted to not being fully certain it was Kavanaugh. But Kavanaugh has come out repeatedly to deny these allegations. On Monday, he sent a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee in which he said, quote, These are smears, pure and simple, and they debase our public discourse. But they are also a threat to any man or woman who wishes to serve our country. Such grotesque and obvious character assassination, if allowed to succeed, will dissuade competent and good people of all political persuasions from service. He went on to say, quote, I will not be intimidated into withdrawing from this process. The coordinated effort to destroy my good name will not drive me out. The vile threats of violence against my family will not drive me out. The last-minute character assassination will not succeed. Is Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein resigning or being fired? Reports Monday stirred speculation about Rosenstein, who oversees the Russia investigation and who was the focus of a New York Times article Friday that reported it was, quote, suggested last year that he secretly record President Trump in the White House to expose the chaos consuming the administration. And he discussed recruiting cabinet members to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Mr. Trump from office for being unfit. And White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said in a statement Monday, at the request of Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, he and President Trump had an extended conversation to discuss the recent news stories. End quote. She added that Rosenstein and Trump would meet again Thursday. Well, in the midst of the accusations being leveled against Brett Kavanaugh, President Trump is standing strong by his Supreme Court pick. Here's what he had to say on Monday at the U.N. Judge Kavanaugh is an outstanding person, and I am with him all the way. We'll see how it goes with the Senate. We'll see how it goes with the vote. I think it could be, there's a chance that this could be one of the single most unfair, unjust things to happen to a candidate for anything. And Kellyanne Conway, the president's counselor, had this to say on CBS This Morning. Indeed, this is starting to feel like a vast left-wing conspiracy. The New York Times says that they interviewed dozens, nor dozens of people over the last couple of weeks trying to verify this second accusation, and they couldn't go forward with the reporting. Michael Avenetti, the lawyer for Stormy Daniels, is now claiming he represents a yet unnamed woman who has more to say about Kavanaugh. In a tweet Monday, Avenetti said... Quote, my client, Rick Kavanaugh, has previously done work within the State Department, U.S. Mint, and DOJ. That's the Justice Department. She has been granted multiple security clearances in the past, including public trust and secret. The GOP and others better be very careful in trying to suggest that she is not credible. End quote. He also sent a letter to the Senate Judiciary Committee claiming, 
quote, significant evidence of multiple house parties in the Washington, D.C. area during the early 1980s, during which Brett Kavanaugh, Mark Judge, and others would participate in the targeting of women with alcohol, drugs, and drugs, to allow a train of men to subsequently gang rape them. Well, the ranking Democrat on the Senate Judiciary Committee, Dianne Feinstein, says she wants Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation proceedings put on hold. She cited the latest report of a sexual assault allegation in The New Yorker. New York Senator Kristen Gillibrand went even further, calling for Trump to withdraw Kavanaugh's confirmation altogether. In a strongly worded statement, Senator Orrin Hatch, Republican from Utah, wrote Monday, Quote, the way my Democratic colleagues have approached these allegations makes clear that the driving objective here is not truth, but politics. Rather than working with Republican colleagues to investigate Dr. Ford's allegations, they sat on them for six weeks until the eve of Kavanaugh's confirmation vote and then leaked them to the press. He added, we should hear from Dr. Ford on Thursday as planned. Then we should vote. Well, Russia announced on Monday that it would be equipping Syria with a new anti-aircraft missile system. U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton said this would be a significant escalation in Syria. Russia's decision comes just a week after Syria's current defense systems accidentally shot down a Russian plane. Russia blamed that incident on misleading information from Israel. Two senior Trump administration officials brushed off talk of using the 25th Amendment to remove President Trump when asked about it by everyone's favorite, or not, CNN reporter Jim Acosta. Yes, Ambassador Haley, uh, you're the lone person here that has been with the administration since the beginning. Uh, In the uh, story about Rod Rosenstein on Friday, it was mentioned that he had been involved in circulating discussions about invoking the 25th Amendment to have the president removed from office. Were you ever involved in any of those discussions? Were you aware of any of those discussions? And I did have a a North Korea follow-up for the secretary. I I mean, I said uh, yesterday on the Sunday shows that literally I have never once been in the White House where that conversation has happened. I am not aware of any cabinet members that are even talking about that. It is completely and totally absurd. Um, No one is questioning the president at all. If anything, we're trying to keep up the pace with him in the fact that he's got a lot he wants to accomplish very quickly, and we're going to continue to support him in the way that he does that. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo also weighed in. No discussion with me about the 25th Amendment anywhere either. So you can now report that there are two senior leaders that have, have said that your statement, your question was ludicrous. Well, the Dallas police officer who killed an innocent resident earlier this month has been fired. Police Chief Reen Hall says that Officer Amber Geiger has been fired for her actions. She's currently being charged with manslaughter after walking into the apartment of Bothan Jean and shooting him dead. She says she accidentally walked into his apartment thinking it was her own. Next up, we'll talk to Genevieve Wood about the Kavanaugh allegations. Want to learn how to podcast from some of the best in the business? Then you'll want to register for the Leadership Institute's Conservative Podcasting School on October 15th and 16th in Arlington, Virginia. The Heritage Foundation and The Daily Signal are proud sponsors of this event. Sign up today at leadershipinstitute.org. And as a listener of this podcast, you can get $10 off. Just use Book Club as the promo code. Can't make it in person? The training will also be streamed live. Again, it's leadershipinstitute.org. What's what's striking about the allegation, it is similar in 
atmospherics to the high school allegation. You know, the excessive drinking, the the uh, you know coercive uh, relationship with young women. If you read Mark Judge, you know the alleged uh, you know the alleged accomplice in the first uh, in the first assault. You know the world he describes at Georgetown Prep of. Uh, you know, it really absurd amounts of drinking, uh, we, you know, weird hostility towards women. I mean, it, it's all of a piece. It is all consistent with one another. Are they all lies? Perhaps. But, you know, it certainly has the ring of truth to me. That was CNN's chief legal analyst, Jeffrey Tubin, Monday, discussing the latest allegation from Deborah Ramirez against Brett Kavanaugh. Joining us on today's podcast is Genevieve Wood, a senior contributor to The Daily Signal. Genevieve, what do you make of the latest allegation against Kavanaugh? Does it have the quote unquote ring of truth to you? Uh, No. Uh, And I'll I'll tell you why. I mean, I I think what has the ring of truth is, you know, you're talking about drinking parties and the like that that has a ring of high school truth. Yes, I've heard about a lot of that at high schools uh, and colleges as well, which is where the latest allegation comes from. But look, what's common here is that both women claim they were drinking and in the episodes that they mentioned, and neither of them have found anybody to collaborate their story, including Women who were their best friends during those times of their lives, particularly in the Ramirez case, has come forward and said, you know, we talked about everything. I never heard a thing about this. I don't know anything about this party. I I mean, to me, I just I find it extremely hard to believe not that somebody wouldn't come forward, but that they would never confide in anyone, including a female best friend for over 30 years, which I just think these are the commonalities commonalities to me that keep coming back. Well, in almost all of these other Me Too cases, there's been a long string of, of a reputation, of a pattern of abuse that, that has, you know, buttressed new claims. And, and that's just blatantly missing from this from both of these. Th- that's right. And I, and I His think- reputation is the exact opposite. I mean, it's. Sterling. That, that's right. And I think, you know, maybe that what they're trying to, to do here is ha- by the second allegation coming out, say, oh, we're showing a pattern now. Uh, but the problem is in the Harvey Weinstein case, the Mount Lauer case, I mean, you name the most recent ones. Not only did you have more than one woman coming forward, uh, these are women who not just happened in the, you know, 10, 20 years ago. It's over a course of time. This was a pattern of behavior over the course of their life. And these women actually had corroborating stories. There were others who could back up much of what they said. You just you don't have any of that here. None of it. Right. And of course, I don't remember exactly what some of the more famous figures taken down by Me Too did at the time. But I think one thing that has stood out about Kavanaugh is how uh, intense his denials have been. He has not said, like, I don't recall this happening or I don't remember this. He's been very adamant. This did not happen. I did not do this, um, et cetera. But yeah, I agree that the Ramirez thing, it seems odd that even if there was not a police report, did she, if she felt it was that serious, why did she not go to Yale? Right. And why would, again, why would she not have told her best friend? I mean, what she talked about here was somebody exposing himself to her, right? It wasn't a rape allegation. It wasn't a groping allegation like we had in the first case uh, that, that Ford is talking about. I mean, if somebody did, I mean, look, I I've, I used, lived in New York City once. I saw some pretty indecent and crazy things. And I, as I recall, shared that with friends that either were there or weren't. I mean, it wasn't something that you necessarily had to keep to yourself. And I just find it odd. No one seems to be able to corroborate her story except somebody 
who wasn't at the party, she says happened. The other people don't even know about the party. But there's somebody who's not wasn't even at the party, but says he heard about a party and something like this happening. I mean, that that's the best that the New Yorker has come up with. Look, th- this thing has so many holes in it. Even the New York Times wasn't willing to print it. And we well know if they could find it, they would. What do you make of the process here? I mean, uh, the, the first accuser, uh, Ms. Dr. Ford, wanted to testify after Kavanaugh so that he wouldn't have a chance to refute her claims. Uh, the media, many of the media, like Jeffrey Tubin there, kind of presuming that she's telling the truth before he's even been able to defend himself. It seems like we're losing due process and, and the idea of being innocent until proven guilty. Now, I, I think that's what's a lot of what's at danger here. I mean, yes, it's certainly a danger to Brett Kavanaugh's reputation. It's a danger to whether or not he'll end up getting a seat on the Supreme Court. But it's ultimately a danger to the much larger public here, I would argue, and the whole idea of due process. And especially if you're someone who has, you know, young sons, I have four young nephews. I worry about what this kind of precedent sets for them as they, you know, go into college and get careers. And, and can somebody just come forward and make an allegation? Look, I, I think we also have, a, and I, I think the Me Too movement, there's much about it to be applauded. Uh, and I understand, though, that now many people, especially men in the public sphere, want to immediately say, you have to believe her. Look, I think you have to hear her. But men and women both lie. <laughs> and that that does not change. Human nature has not changed. And so I think she absolutely should be heard, but there's no reason to say we automatically should believe she's telling the truth and he's telling a lie. I just don't think that's right. Especially when, even aside from the issue of who testifies first or second, uh, as far as I know, she has not identified the year this occurred, the place it occurred. I mean, all sorts of details, and I think she says some of this is lost to... You know, it's been decades, which is understandable. But at the same time, it makes it virtually impossible for him to really defend himself because how do you prove it didn't happen? Right. Like, how do you you take like a three year span and say, I I don't even know. But to his credit, he he was able to dig up his calendar from 1982 (laughs) and give it to the committee (laughs) to show that he was not there. Yeah. Well, I I will say I I talked to a federal prosecutor this week who uh, is a a friend of mine. uh, I know casually Uh, she's not a conservative. Uh, She does not like our current president. But she came to me proactively and said, you know, I think this is a travesty what's happening to Brett Kavanaugh. And she said, as a federal prosecutor, I can tell you, you would never take a case like this. And and she's somebody who who believes women. She believes in the Me Too movement. But she's like, you know, she's like, Brett Kavanaugh did what every innocent person does. He immediately says, that is not true. I am guilty. I want to clear my name. I'll go into any forum I have to to do it. He did all those things. Uh, And she said, on the other side of things, you have somebody hiding behind a lot of different evidences, not one of playing by the rules of the courtroom. She's like, you could never bring this case into a court of law. Right. And of course, that's something that is not getting uh, very much reported on, which is Grassley, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley, the Senate Judiciary Committee chair, has offered all sorts of ways for her to give her testimony, has offered to send people to California, I believe, has really tried to be very accommodating to make sure that she be heard. Um, now, supposedly, um, Dr. Christine Blasley Ford will be coming on Thursday. We'll see if that happens. But I wanted to circle back to something you said. You mentioned, you know, anyone who knows Um, men or young boys should be worried about the precedent being set here. And one thing that I would argue that's gotten less attention is actually, I think both sexes should be worried. Um, 
You know, the spokeswoman for um, Me Too, the Italian actress, Asia Argento, faced uh, statutory rape charges. Now, I have no idea what's credible or not credible in that case, but while it's probably more likely to happen to men, it can happen to women, too. I mean, when you get into these situations where it's a he said, she said, it can hurt both ways. No, it can. And, and, and I think this is why. And it can also, on the other side, Kate, flip to, you know, if these allegations, if it becomes clear these women aren't telling the truth or that it's very likely they're not telling the truth, then what does that do for other women down the road or men mm-hmm. who have a real case and want to come forward? And people are saying, oh, you're doing that for political reasons. I mean, this is one of those scenarios where you're really you're playing with fire. And I, and I do think even if she is telling the truth and I'm talking about Ford in this case, uh, I don't think there's any doubt that the Democrats are using it for politics. I think they far more care about keeping Brett Kavanaugh and anybody that President Trump would put on the Supreme Court They care far more about keeping them off than they do the Me Too movement right now. Well, it seems even to a certain extent the Me Too movement is that way. I believe Time's Up um, held on Monday this walkout, I think it was in the afternoon, where they encouraged women to wear black and walk out of their, I don't know, walk out of wherever they're doing. Hopefully not I didn't cars. get the memo. But, uh, <laughs> As she's wearing white right As now. As I'm wearing white, yes, yes. Um, so, yeah, it does seem that there's been such a push. Um, you know, Kelsey Harkness of the Daily Signal has noted how many women's groups were opposed to having on before any of this came out. Right, so, well, and you've heard many people say, look, this is about abortion to a great extent and groups who are for abortion. They want the Supreme Court to demand that abortion on demand at any time, at any time during a pregnancy, be the law of the land everywhere. Uh, and they're they're worried that that's that might be threatened by putting him on the court. Uh, I think their fears, unfortunately, are somewhat overstated. But nonetheless, that is so much more what this is about than it is about protecting women. They don't care about protecting women inside the womb. It's just wanting to protect that right outside. Or, frankly, they don't really care about women outside the womb, as we've seen by the total lack of attention paid to Kermit Gosnell, who, of course, led to the death of um, women in the Philadelphia area. And to other women who have accused Democratic politicians Ellison. like Keith yes. Ellison. That's right. Perfect I mean, example. She's been saying that the Dems are not giving me any attention at all. <laughs> yeah, and, and I don't know about all the, the validities of her claims, but my understanding is she has a little bit more evidence than the other women, and certainly more within a certain time frame than the women uh, charging Brett Kavanaugh. But again, th- these folks have no uh, very little evidence besides just somebody claiming something, and they're demanding FBI L- investigations. In Allison's case, you've heard not a peep that I'm aware of from any senior or junior, for that matter, uh, Democratic politician or lawmaker calling for anything. And of course, he's the uh, deputy chair of the Democratic Party uh, right now. Um, So that would be a bit inconvenient. Although we should note, I believe those allegations are domestic violence, not sexual assault. A little bit different in character. Uh, So so it's going to be fascinating to see what happens on Thursday. The plan is for uh, Dr. Ford to come in and testify but really, it's all up in the air. What do you think is going to happen? Honestly, the way this thing is gone, uh, whatever we say today will be different tomorrow or two hours from now. <laughs> so, look, I don't know. She says she's coming. I, I think I think the Democrats know, and hopefully Ms. Ford knows, you're going to have to testify. I mean, you can't just make these allegations and never, ever show up. Right. And I think what's also a reality is that Republicans uh, in the Senate, the lawmakers there also know they got to have a vote. They, they have to get this thing done one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, and yes, both bases, Republicans, Democrats, left, conservative, yes, they're very engaged. And both sides know that, which is why this is going down to the mat like it is. 
So are you going to be there in the Handmaid's Tale costume? Uh, no, I will be there. I do intend to be there with the Daily Signal microphone asking some of these <laughs> folks better. a few questions, but I'm not going to be in costume. Okay. Well, next up, we're going to keep Genevieve on and discuss football, which is a little bit later. Liberals have pretty much cornered the market on 101-style podcasts that break down tough policy issues in the news. Until now. Did you know that every week, Heritage Explains intermingles personal stories, news clips, and facts from Heritage experts to help explain some of today's hardest issues from a conservative perspective? Look for Heritage Explains on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the heat of summer is dying down. The cool of fall is starting to come, which means it's football season, among other things. Corn mazes and pumpkins, too. Uh, Joining us to talk about football is Lauren Evans from our video team. Thanks Uh, for having me. And, of course, Genevieve is still here. Guys, you're both bigger football fans than Kate and I. What are your takeaways from this past weekend and the season so far? So... I'm a real American and I love college football. Okay, that was that you really started off on a very hostile note right away. Well, but okay. <laughs> so, I I'm just going to quickly I picked 5 games, 5 conferences and then the Power 6 conference. Um so I want to start with the undefeated national champions UCF Friday night. It was very exciting. Lane Kiffin his FAU came into UCF, they steamrolled them. They're now 16 and 0, number 13 in the AP rankings. I think a no. Let's just have a disclaimer. Lauren did go to UCF. <laughs> okay, to- so everything in her office is branded the Knights, <laughs> which is there's no problem with that. I just want to put that out. Champions. Okay, that totally just fair. Gotta, you got to disclose yourself. Yeah, we're home. I mean, I would say we're, Genevieve and I are pretty big homers. So true. But at least we we claim it, unlike anybody else on ESPN. You know. So uh, you don't really care about the NFL, though. No, I mean, I'm again, I'm a real about- red blooded American. Yeah. We got to get through Saturday. Why first. do you say that college football is more American than NFL? I mean, nobody kneels. Uh, <laughs> is that the yeah. extent of your argument? No, I mean, like you, the, you take the money out of it. Even though college football players should be able to make money out of their likeness, likeness, it's just it's it's more pure and it's more about kind of developing men into leaders and kind of bringing a community, you know, with colleges and conferences that you don't find in the NFL. Well, and you also, I mean, this is true of probably all amateur sports yeah. to a certain extent, but I think you really see it in college football. And, and this was a perfect weekend, perfect example of that, which is you just never know. I mean, you don't, I mean, you can have all the rankings you want. You could be number one, you could be number 10, what, and somebody comes out of nowhere, and we had that yeah. happen a couple you of games this weekend. You could be ranked number weekend. 13, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech. Yep. It was crazy. ODU. Old Dominion. Oh, yeah. Old Dominion out of Richmond. Not a good team. Like, it's not like, oh, they're an underdog who's won all their games. No, they lost to Liberty University. (laughs) No offense to the people at Liberty. Great school. Up and coming football team, but still very up and coming. Um, Yeah. And they... Army, Oklahoma. uh, Yeah. Oklahoma won, but... Army stuck in their whole game. Right. So the whole why? game. But so the point is, you just you well, you just you you can have great yeah. teams, but it's unpredictable. And why you all, more underdogs, I will say, from time to time, winning college football. Americans love the underdog, right? They love the come from behind story. And there's just so many times in college football, not every game, not every other game, but a lot of games it happens, and you find yourself. I mean, you pointed out before, like the the Oklahoma fans cheered for Army, yeah. 
As Army was leaving the field, the Oklahoma fans all stayed in their seats and got up and actually cheered. And I mean, that gives you goosebumps to that watch. That sounds like they're Fairweather fans. No, no, no that's they called probably recognizing. Just support the military. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, they're very pro-American. They recognize the and, military. And in response, the Army equipment team they they tweeted out, "We always leave it how we came," and the locker room was immaculate. And that's kind of been circulating that. You know, mm. it's this mutual respect that Army and OU had. And, you know, OU's a great football team. They were number four going into the or number five going into the game. Now they're only number six, college football uh, playoff team. And, yeah, Army came in. They played toe-to-toe. It wasn't like they came back in the third quarter. Either of these teams could have won this game. It was the last-minute interception with Army to lose the game. So, So Genevieve, you're more of an NFL person. No, I'm kind of with Lauren yeah, in the wait, sense what? that I, you I guys said to... you were going to debate. This is a show. Oh, no, no, we're not going to debate. <laughs> I, no, I just, I'm with her that I, I I have become more of a college fan. I used to be NFL, but I've become more of a college fan, I would say, over the past 10 years, not just like last year. Uh, but I still love the NFL, yeah. and especially now that more of them are standing up. But uh, this and year... I, in Genevieve's defense, she does like America's football team. I do. I like... Thank you. Yeah. I do like the Dallas Cowboys, so. which is America's team, which was playing in America's game yesterday against Seattle, so. but we lost. Um, but you know, I, but look, I think the NFL's got new problems. You know, it's been the flag controversy and the anthem controversy. Now it's the controversy. Basically, you can't sack the quarterback. I mean, basically, if you like do more than a pinky push them over, here come the refs, and you got to go out. And is this related to the concerns over head injuries, or what's going on? Well, uh, there's a lot of concerns in the NFL about safety yeah. and protecting the quarterback. But I mean. Some of the calls being made are ridiculous, and I think you're going to end up with people. Look, there's other competition out there. There's the XFL. Yeah. There's a other people will start taking these players, and I think the NFL is already on rocky grounds in terms of fan base loyalty. People are tired of being fed up. I mean, I, Lauren, yeah. you tell me what you think, but I just think it's a problem. And it's not just you know roughing the passer. It's also kickoff returns. I mean, it's it's everything that they're doing to reshape the game, which. I agree. We need to be doing more things to help keep our young men safe and sometimes middle-aged men safe. Talking about Tom Brady. Tom <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brady's going to live forever. <laughs> but, yeah, we need to find a way to also keep the game and keep the integrity because Genevieve's totally right. that They're just starting. I, uh, I'm forgetting the name, but there's a team in Orlando, a whole new football league that's going to come out there that, you know, it's there is a free market to sports. Well, so on this topic, I think President Obama stirred up controversy a couple of years ago by suggesting that if he had sons, he wouldn't want them to play football because of the concussion uh, concern. And I have to say, as a total wimp myself, I was always confused. Slash Californian. Well, so my, so, so my, my brothers, who are also Californians, both played uh, football in high school. My dad played football at Caltech, which was a bunch of science nerds playing football, but he liked it. Anyway, so it's not just Californians, but I've always had a hard time understanding why it's worth it. But I know a lot of people who love football say that there actually is a real loss if you sort of make it safer and calmer, that like you are missing something that maybe relates to manly virtues in some ways. You were sort of suggesting, Lauren. So what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, look, I, I think, uh, you know, aggression that's 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 um, controlled, which I think to a great extent is what football can and should be, is what the game is. And I think when you say, well, we're basically going to take all the aggression out of it or we're going to penalize you even when you're trying not. To, I mean, people get hurt doing things that aren't aggressive. Right. And, and I feel as though you know, in football, they're, they're now making it where like basically 
you can no longer just play the game. If you want to say the game is too dangerous, then just get rid of the game, okay? But don't try to keep the game and take away the game. At the the end of the day, these guys, they're the ones who choose to play. So, like, it's kind of like joining the military. Like, you take on a a degree of risk when you play. That's right. And I had actually a conversation about with this about with my dad not too long ago and his great uncle died playing football in 1909 so when he started he played both ways uh at Boca, Boca Academy and his mom like knew that her uncle died playing football and my dad says no there's no doubt about it I would let my son play football because what I learned when I got hit and I had to get back up again was worth all the beating my body took. And let's keep in mind, what about the player, I'm forgetting his name right now, of the Buffalo Bills earlier this year, what, last weekend, mm-hmm. I believe, who decided midway through the game, like at halftime, uh, you know what? My body can't take yeah. this anymore. And I'm not going to be stupid. And so I'm retiring at halftime. And yeah, I mean, no, he did. And, and it was this was a guy who's like, I'm not saying that, you know, this isn't, that I'm being asked to do anything that's dangerous. I could just tell my body couldn't do what it needed to do to play the position I play. And it doesn't mean that somebody else can't do it, but I knew my own body. Great. I mean, I might retire away. right now. Well, hey, <laughs> yeah, right. even if you don't make an NFL team and you're just on the practice squad, you make about $170,000 per season. So this is what, five or six months. So that provides for your family. If somebody was a coal miner or somebody else was doing something that was also hard on their body, but was supporting their family, we would praise them and say like, wow, this person really values family and values hard work. I think we should do the same thing with football players. Okay. Well, I think we're hitting the end of our time, which yes. I think is a concept in football, but, but I'm thankfully, not really just sure. Be- thankfully, it's <laughs> just the beginning of the season. Yeah. But if you are fans of Lauren and Genevieve who have been basically indicating that they should run this podcast with football talk <laughs> all along, please uh, tweet at us and let us know you want them to come back. And thank you for joining us, ladies. Thank Thanks you so for allowing us to bring us. a little sanity to yeah. Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast brought to you from the Robert H. Bruce Radio Studio at the Heritage Foundation. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, unless you didn't like Lauren and Genevieve, to give us any feedback. We'll see you again tomorrow. You've been listening to the Daily Signal podcast, executive produced by Kate Trinko and Daniel Davis. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.